My first year as a priest, I was a chaplain at San Diego State. And one of the things we did was we worked with um, different Christian, evangelical Christian groups who had ministries on campus as well. We had a, we had a good relationship with them. But I noticed something that uh, their student leaders were very careful never to call me father. And they would email me and they would email me as Pastor Anthony. So why wouldn't they do that? We just heard it in the gospel today. What does Jesus say? He says, call no one on earth father. Our evangelical brothers and sisters take scripture very seriously. And yet, they and all of us violate the literal words of Jesus all the time. After all, what do you call your male parent? <laughs> father or dad, same thing. Although I had a friend in middle school who called his dad Fred, and I always thought that was kind of weird. Jesus also said, call no one or do not be called teacher. But what do we call those who instruct in our schools? We call them teachers. Do not be called master, Jesus said. But we call adult men mister, and you know what mister is. It's just a form of the word master. So is it about these specific words and the literal use of them, or is Jesus actually teaching us something deeper? Jesus is first wants to impress upon his disciples that all authority comes from God. And any of that authority that is delegated or mediated with human beings has to remember that. Cannot properly exercise one's authority apart from God. Second, he is teaching the leaders in his church that they have to be servants and not seek um, glory, uh, honor, uh, other perks and privileges that might come with their office, right? but rather to be, have that, that heart of humility, right? to, to be a servant leader. So one of the reasons I don't think um, Jesus is being just, just basically literal in what he's saying, is the way that the word Father is used in the New Testament. So actually, there's 124 times that the New Testament refers to a human being, a human male, as Father. And sometimes these are biological fathers, but often they are not. For example, St. Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he states, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He refers to Timothy and many other Christians as beloved son or beloved children. He writes to the Thessalonians, We treated each of you as a father treats his children, exhorting and encouraging you. Peter and John in their New Testament letters refer to the Christians as their children. You may remember the martyr Stephen, right? He, of, of all people, should know what Christ's will is. Well, as he addressed a, a gathered group of Jews, he referred to the elders there as fathers. So what Jesus says here, remember, follows upon his criticism of the scribes and Pharisees. They uh, preach things that they didn't practice. They impose heavy burdens on other people without helping them to carry those burdens. They sought their own honor and glory 
instead of the glory of God and the good of his people. And in our first reading, speaking of a different time, uh, the prophet Malachi, or God through the prophet Malachi, denounces the priests of Israel for turning aside from the way and causing many to falter. And we can contrast these bad examples with St. Paul, St. Peter, St. John, that first generation of leaders that Jesus had instituted and the ones that they instituted, for they truly were um, servant leaders. They truly were uh, icons of, of Christ. They made God's love present through their own sacrificial love. And I think actually of all the ways we can describe ordained ministry, uh, I think father is actually a good way for the, that ministry of priests because human fathers, they give life, they provide, they protect, uh, they guide and teach and encourage and discipline. And that is what priests are called to do, to give, right, to give new life, for example, in the sacrament of baptism, to provide in the sacrament of the Eucharist, right, to, to feed God's people. Um, they, uh, they protect, right, through their prayers of blessings against the forces of evil. They teach, they guide, they correct. And God, I think, wants for priests to be, um, to be loving fathers, right, who care for the well-being of their, of their children. And it's not only God that expects this of priests, uh, not only the Catholic lay faithful that expected of their priests, but I think even non-Catholics expect this. We can remember several years ago when there was non-stop coverage of the clergy sex abuse crisis. And if you know from my previous homilies, I find that what was done was evil and without excuse, and in particular even the protection that bishops gave to abusive priests. However, we should keep in mind uh, that priests do not engage in those acts any more uh, as a proportion of them than, than other, other adult men. It's true of teachers, of coaches, it's true of um, stepfathers and live-in boyfriends, even higher rates of abuse there. So why was all the attention almost exclusively on Catholic priests? Could be some people in the media who write the narrative had an agenda against the Catholic Church. That's probably true. But I think there's more to it than that. I think that people were especially horrified because they expect more from priests than they do from teachers or coaches. And I don't think those expectations are unfair. There was a time in our society, and maybe this is true in other countries, when uh, being a priest, becoming a priest, meant prestige, privileges, perks. I don't think there's much prestige anymore in the priesthood. It's not something that young men aspire to. It's not something that parents want for their sons. It doesn't mean for most men an increase in social status. The Lord, speaking through Malachi, said to the priests of Israel, I have made you contemptible and base before all the people. My friend Matt, now Father Matt, we were in the seminary together, told me this story when he was leaving his secular work to enter the seminary for priestly formation. And one of his co-workers said to him, 
I didn't know you liked little boys. It was a cruel thing to say. And yet, I think there's some good. Even when good men, right, who've done nothing wrong, are held in contempt. Even when the priesthood in general is held in contempt. And what do I mean by some good? I observe this as vocation director, that men who come to discern the priesthood are not doing so to increase their social status. Uh, they're not doing so for worldly reasons. They're doing so sincerely because they believe they're called by God and they want to serve. That's what I noticed. So in, in a way, it's it worked as a kind of a good selector, right? Uh, there's also a lesson for anyone here who has any kind of authority uh, to understand Right, if your parents or teachers or supervisors, this authority comes from God. Biological and spiritual fatherhood is a participation in an extension of the one fatherhood of God. If you're a teacher or a supervisor, remember the true teacher and master of us all is Christ. You are meant to be an icon and not an idol. So icons and idols are both images, right? But icons uh, mediate the presence of God, help us to relate to God, and idols seek to replace God. If you've been let down by a church leader who failed in his calling, remember that faith in Christ and, the tr and his mystical body, the church, is not the same thing as faith in a representative of Christ or a representative of the church. So the misdeeds of certain clerics should not shake our faith in Jesus and in the church he founded. He guarantees, Christ guarantees by the Holy Spirit that we can truly encounter him in the sacraments, that they truly give grace, even when celebrated by sinful priests. He guarantees that we can know the truth of revelation through the perennial teaching that has been handed on in the church. Jesus himself so respected human authorities instituted by God, that what did he say in today's gospel? He says, the scribes and Pharisees sit on the chair of Moses, and therefore, right, their teaching is good. But just don't follow their example, he said, right? Indeed, that teaching authority, that idea of the seat of Moses, uh, Christ transferred that to the new Israel, in the, in the new Israel, to the apostles and their successors. So when I was discerning uh, whether God was calling me to be a priest, and I didn't really want to be a priest, um, but there was various experiences I had that made me think God wanted me to be a priest. And one of the things I didn't want, I didn't want to give up was to have a family. Um, and actually, I wanted to have a bunch of kids. I wanted to have eight children. And you can imagine how that went over on the second or third date when that topic came up. So what, did God, what, what changed? Well, Part of my, my, my vocational call was a powerful experience of prayer in which I was given uh, really a high degree of certainty that this is what God was asking me to do. But also I had this sense, as I was thinking about this, this thing I was holding on to, wanting to have my own children, God's, God's speaking to my heart and saying, if you do this, uh, many will call you Father. So when I'm called Father, I don't see it as an honorific. I see it as a term of endearment. I see it as, as, as a good descriptor of a special relationship. 
Please pray for me and pray for all priests and pray that, uh, that there are any more young men who are open to discerning this call. Um, pray that they be holy and faithful. Right? Pray that they have that fatherly heart of Jesus Christ, tender and strong.